0: Pastor Xavier Reese offers sound advice about staying spiritually healthy. A little girl coming in from the flower garden
1: with soil hands and her dress all dirty and her shoes full of dirt made this uh, refreshing observation. Mother, I know why flowers grow. They want to get out of the dirt. As individuals repent and desire to grow in Christ, their desire is going to get out of the dirt. Whatever dirt they're in life.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Quick success and self-help motivational books and seminars abound, offering self-enrichment. Why? Because we all want to better ourselves. But Pastor Xavier says, for the believer, success takes on a different meaning. Today he turns to the enriching simple truths found in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 as he helps us get ahead in life with his message titled, Joy Over Repentance. Let's listen.
1: In a certain mountainous area in New England, the most important question asked by a prospective buyer of a farm would be the following. Is this farm above the snake line? You see, above the snake line, no snake can live, and there is no danger of poisonous snakes killing anybody. But below the snake line, there's all manner of poisonous snakes. In the same token, we have a choice to live above the spiritual snake line as Christians. In the heavenlies, where there is no danger of destruction, or below the snake line, as we live this earthly life, living under danger and disaster when we don't repent. And we alone can make that decision. No one else. The entire text here is to sinning Christians. Certainly we can apply it to non-believers, no secondary thing, but it's all in the context of Christians that are in sin. And so Paul expressed his joy over the repentance of the Corinthians from three perspectives here. Let me read five on down. He says, For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the consolation which, which he was comforted in you. When he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice even more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance, for you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing." For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication, in all things, you prove yourselves to be clear in this matter. Therefore... Although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered the wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. Therefore, we have been comforted in your comfort. Paul the Apostle expresses his joy over the repentance of the Corinthians from three perspectives here. First, the joy of Paul was in view of receiving word of the repentance, verse 5 through 7. Secondly, the joy of Paul was in view of their receiving the word of repentance, 8 through 10. And then thirdly, the joy of Paul was in view of receiving the evidence of their repentance in verse 11 through 13. Notice Paul the apostle in verse 5, he places the locality here of that ministry For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, Paul was not alone, notice, in his journey to Macedonia. The pronoun we indicates, other ministers, his companions, uh, with him. He never traveled alone, never did ministry alone. Uh, Titus, Timothy, Silas, uh, many, many others. Macedonia, as you know, had three churches. You had Thessalonica, uh, Berea, and Philippi. Uh, Most people believe that they ultimately met up in Philippi. Uh, from where probably he wrote this um, second epistle, mainly. Paul was under difficult circumstances in Macedonia. Paul and his companions had been tried physically and emotionally. He says our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. He's talking here about physical exhaustion and weariness, certainly uh, partly due to the traveling and preaching at the same time throughout the region, Sometimes not getting sleep, being in, on on ships or whatever it may be. Notice the word but. It contrasts the weakness of the bodies and the immense stress of the trouble. The extent was on every, all sides, all around them. Again, in chapter six, verse four, uh, through 10, he's already mentioned Some of the difficulties uh, Strives, imprisonments, tomos, labor, sleeplessness Fastings I mean, uh, long-suffering Kindness, uh, so on and so forth Just ongoing things that, that took place And he didn't want to share this stuff But he, the, the Corinthians forced his hand to share Some of these things Because he attacked against him by the Judaizers That Paul was a renegade Jew And you know, he really was not an apostle He had no authority And he was just kind of fleecing them Now notice Still in five, that Paul and his companions had been tried physically and emotionally to the limits. He says, outside were conflicts, inward were fears. So he stated they had been under danger and threat from the enemies of the gospel. From the outside were conflicts. The word conflict means to fight or battle with the idea of quarreling. There are always people, especially when you go into hostile areas where it's not the area of a lot of Christians, and people are very serious about their religion, their philosophies, or their ideas, and when you challenge them, it can get nasty. We don't apologize for the gospel, but it gets hostile sometimes. The reference is to their opposition for preaching the gospel, the Jew as well as the pagan, now he said that they had been under deep anxiety. Listen, inside were fears. So not only on the outside. In the word fear there is dread or terror. We get our word phobia from it. Courage is recognizing there's danger, but you know you need to act and do what's right. These perhaps were due to the difficulty of the outward circumstances, the response inside, because we're all human. But certainly due to the anticipation of the news of Titus. But also his safety, especially because if he went for the offering, and we'll get to it in chapter 8 and 9, he didn't know if he was bringing the offering, and that was a big offering, so his safety and all. And so there's much concern from outside this, from inside that. And we've all been there, right? You've got situations going on, on the outside with family members, with people, this and that, and you've got the inside going on, the turmoil, this and that, and you've got the two coming together. <laughs> Notice then the apostle Paul was comforted by God at Macedonia verse 6 and 7. In verse 6, he stated that despite the difficulty and pressure, there was a greater power at work on their behalf, God. Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast. So he confidently declared that God had been faithful to comfort them in their physical danger and emotional pressures. In fact, he depicts their condition of verse 5 now with one word downcast he summarizes it here it means those who are not far from the ground with the idea of those who are low with grief and weighed down by the difficulties in this case of ministry that's going on paul is a realist he he never paints a christianity that is not real but in the midst of the humanity of life he demonstrates and exalts the power of God to enable us and transcend the difficulty in which of us have not experienced things that we should have fallen apart on but because we trusted God he got us through the warfare is there the difficulty is there but the incredible strength and wisdom and all when you get through you just you, you you've you've been stretched about 20 yards God is the God of all comfort for all tribulations. He started the letter like that in chapter one, verse three through four. This is the key word: comfort, parakaleo, consolation. In verse seven, also paraklesis, same root word. Come alongside to strengthen. Five times, six, seven, verse thirteen. God had delivered them from the sentence of death. He said in chapter one, verse eight through ten, they had the spirit of life. And so Paul stated the way God brought comfort to them. And it's threefold. Listen carefully. Comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me. So first of all, by the coming of Titus, God will use people to bring that comfort sometimes. We need to be sensitive that God would lead us. Sometimes we don't even know. We think think it's us. There's a, a, a couple um, who began with us in the early 70s in, in uh, West Covina. And um, they got saved and uh, they went out in ministry. They went to Arizona, different places. They ministered in Indian reservations and everything. And, and Manuel came, came down with cancer two or three times, the third time came back. And he just died about two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. And then um, as the Lord took him home, I was just studying this week and just sitting there. And all of a sudden, I said, yeah, I should call Maria. I didn't know it was God. I just, so I called her up as soon as it rang, she just walked in and she just broke down. And she said, You don't know how timely this is. You never know. Sometimes you may know God directs you, sometimes you don't. But God is incredible. He does things like that. You know what I mean? But what great comfort. Second, by consolation of Titus. The consolation Titus received. By the Corinthians' response, Paul didn't know they are going to slap him upside the head and send him out, tart and feather, or, or what was going to happen. They responded properly. And then thirdly, by the fact that Paul and the others were told by Titus of their response in the repentance. Great comfort. Now all that pain, all that warfare, all that's going on, all this stuff, all worth it. When you get that word. You've been there? He says their earnest, their longing desire to see Paul, their mourning, wailing and lamenting over their past behavior, the pain they caused Paul to get right with him, their zeal, fervor to put things right, to defend Paul and stand by him and be reconciled, and then Paul stated that the outcome resulted in his personal rejoicing. So that I rejoice even more. Though Paul's faithful confrontation was uncomfortable, it was through Paul's faithful confrontation they were made to see their heir. He was the spiritual father. Emotions come and go, we have to be careful. Through repentance, the reconciliation had been realized. The father of the prodigal son rejoiced when he saw his son coming home, as you know. Father, I have sinned against heaven and you I'm no longer worthy to call your son. But his father called his servant and says, Bring out the best robe, put it on him, put the ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, bring the best calf, kill it, and let us be merry, for my son was dead and alive again, he was lost, but now he's found. Luke 15, 21 through 24. Again, the context of all this sermon, this text is to believers in sin. Not the non-believer. We can make the application. What father doesn't rejoice? What pastor doesn't rejoice when he sees believers that get caught up and turn? What father and mother has not rejoiced in hearing of their son or daughter repentance from sin or any other individual that turn from the destruction of sin? We haven't been saved. We haven't been turned away from destruction. Why would we not rejoice over that action on another's life? Of course we should If now we've lost sight, we become callous, we become self-righteous or indifferent, one of the two. Luke 15, 7 says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 just persons who need no repentance. People can and will be used by God at times, and sometimes we're too close to the individual. God has to use somebody else. Particular situations arise that a person may have to go through And that person may have to go through it alone, just you and God, no one else. And so the joy of Paul was in view of receiving word of the repentance. What a celebration. Like a big load just went off of him. Notice secondly in verse 8 through 10. The joy of Paul was in view of their receiving the word of repentance, The initial reception of it. He didn't know what was going to happen as we stated. In verse 8, the apostle Paul expressed his mixed emotions as he had waited to hear about the repentance. Paul stated the seeming paradox. Listen, for even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. Huh? (laughs) This is an emotional change regarding a particular thing. The apostle's remorse was over having written the letter, thinking that perhaps it would not accomplish what he thought. Which of us have not written or said or done? And, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done. You know, our emotions started going back and forth, and we're looking at that. But notice Paul stated that now, after the fact, he understood the same letter made them sorry, but only for a short time. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a little while. Here's the problem. Too often, Christians think they're rescuers and they get in God's way. And so they try to help people all the time. You've got to pray, Lord, should I help? Should I not? God may be dealing with an individual to get their attention, but here you are, Johnny Crusader. (laughs) And you're really hurting the individual because he can't. Respond to the consequences that God's trying to show him. Sometimes you have to let people hit the bottom before they can look up. And that goes, first of all, for your children, ladies and gentlemen. Because you want to make emotional decisions because they belong to you. Pain is good. You go to bed tonight and you start getting the pain around four o'clock on your left side. And it gets worse, it gets worse. And you can't stand it by two in the morning. You better go to the doctor. The ability to sense pain is good. It's a warning. Something's wrong. (laughs) Deal with it. You must acknowledge your sin. You must confess your sin. You must abandon your sin. All of us. Look at 9. The apostle Paul explained his joy over the repentance. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. He was their spiritual father in Christ, interested in their good, not their harm. Confrontation of sin is to be motivated by love to warn the person and attempt to turn them from sin for their good. Notice he saw it led to repentance. And you're familiar with the word repentance, it means to think that change your mind regarding sin. The very first words of John the Baptist when he began the ministry is repent for the kingdom of God's at hand. When John the Baptist got thrown in prison, the first words out of the mouth of Jesus when he started his ministry, repent the kingdom of God's at hand. The first words out of Peter's mouth on the day of Pentecost, repent from your sins. Notice Paul stated he rejoiced. Now, after the fact, because their sorrow was over their sin, turning out for their good. He says, For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. He described the sorrow in relationship to a godly manner. Again, the word sorry means to cause grief, feel uncomfortable, uneasy, sad. That's good. Those are all good qualities if you don't ignore them. The word godly, the context is Christians in sin. This describes a conviction over their sin, recognizing it's against God first, then against man or with man, but it's first against God. The result and outcome of their godly sorrow was that the Corinthians suffered no loss notice from Paul and his companions. He wrote, and if they responded, it would only turn to their benefit. If they rejected it, they would be responsible for the damage, not Paul. Unrepentant sin destroys fellowship with God and man. Repentance restores them both. Now notice in verse 10, the apostle Paul explained the distinction between the two kinds of sorrows. They produce two different kinds of outcomes. Paul explained first godly sorrow. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation not to be regretted. Paul, building off the previous verse, progresses the argument by saying that godly sorrow produces repentance resulting in a person being saved, restored, reconciled. The word repentance again to think differently, to change your mind. And it's regarding sin. Godly sorrow sees one's accountability to God and the offense of sin against God again. Remember David when he was in adultery with Bathsheba for a whole year. Psalm 51 4 says, Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. And so God sent Nathan the prophet and he gave him that parable about that man and the sheep and everything. And David was incensed and Nathan pointed his prophetic bony fingers and says, David, you are the man. A whole year, just about. This godly sorrow resulted in salvation, he says. Restoration. Notice Paul stated this kind of godly sorrow over sin resulting in salvation. Listen, is not to be regretted and is not regretted. The word regret means literally non-repentant. In other words, you do not think you did the wrong thing. You don't think you made a mistake in repenting from sin. You're glad that you repented. You know you did the right thing. That's what he's talking about. Paul explains next the worldly sorrow. But the sorrow of the world produces death. These two distinct kinds of sorrows are placed in sharp contrast to each other. This worldly sorrow produces, notice, death. Worldly sorrow is remorse or sadness for the wrong done, but leaves God out of the accountability. God's not even acknowledged. Worldly sorrow or remorse does not always regret the wrong, but only regrets the consequences due to the wrong. It doesn't change. We regret the consequence. That's the problem. Now, when believers get into sin, you're in the same way. Because sin blinds us. Sin grabs us by the nose. It drags it around. Worldly sorrow produces death because it does not see sin in the light of God. Nor seek the forgiveness from God. So there is no turning from sin. Therefore, the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. We have many examples of worldly sorrow. Cain, Esau, Judas Iscariot. A little girl coming in from the flower garden with soil hands and her dress all dirty and her shoes full of dirt made this uh, refreshing observation. Mother, I know why flowers grow. They want to get out of the dirt. As individuals repent and desire to grow in Christ, their desires going to get out of the dirt whatever dirt they're in life. That's why we encourage you to grow, to be the church, to study the Bible, to have your eyes on the Lord, to build relationships with each other, to encourage one another.
0: Very important. Pastor Xavier Reese, with good advice to help keep us on the right path. And you can find this program online to hear any portion you may have missed. Just browse for today's date in the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And you can also request your own personal copy of today's lesson from 2 Corinthians called Joy Over Repentance. It's available on CD for just $4. And why not consider requesting an additional copy to pass along to someone in your church or Bible study? The title to ask for once again is Joy Over Repentance. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Success doesn't usually happen by accident. Knowing what to do comes before knowing how to do it. Find out what's involved in spiritual success when you join Pastor Xavier Reese next time on Simple Treats.